Hello. On today's episode of Club Resort Talks, we chat with Patrick Koenig. Patrick has a passion for golf, golf course photography, and helping others in need. We're going to talk about how he helped out with the first tee of Greater Seattle and so much more. Hope you enjoy. On today's episode of Club Resort Talks, we chat with Patrick Koenig. Patrick has a passion for golf, golf course photography, and helping others in need. We're going to talk about how he helped out the first tee of Greater Seattle. But first, Patrick, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me on, Rob. This is uh, a pleasure. Hey, I start every interview with people who golf with one question. When did you start playing golf? So I've been playing. I've been playing since I can remember, but I think I got a little, little late start in the game. I think it was around the age of eleven um, that I that I first jumped in. And if you're familiar with competitive golf, you got to start when you're like two or one would be the ideal time to start playing golf. And uh, so I was playing behind the eight ball. It's not about uh, playing competitively, but I, honestly, I just wasn't quite good enough. Uh, and especially when I got to college and took a, took a look around that place. Um, at the wonderful University of Indiana, uh, golf was kind of a, a second priority in that that point uh, during my my lifetime. But I've been playing it uh, pretty pretty passionately uh, over the over twenty eight years of my life. You were a Hoosier, huh? Oh yeah, absolutely. The great state of Indiana down there in uh, Bloomington. We actually, and I mean, most people they think uh, Hoosiers they think Bobby Knight, right? And so yeah. I was actually there when he was fired. Um, for some a, a bevy of things that he did, but they, they finally let him go. And I was there. I, I recall that we uh, there was riots, and I I took place in the riot, uh, which was my only time that I rioted. I didn't really realize that I was rioting. You just there's just people in the streets, and I was like, oh, let's go see what's going on. And then and then they're like, oh, people are like doing bad things now, like breaking stuff. I should probably leave because I, I wasn't I wasn't actually interested in rioting, um, but I I guess technically I was I was part of a uh, of, of a crowd that turned into a riot. So, um, quick little backstory on, on how you there. That's hilarious. I was just at a, a kid's birthday party and one of my, uh, friends who our sons are in the same third grade class also attended university of Indiana at the time that Bobby Knight was, uh, fired or let go and, uh, got caught up in the same kind of emotion, I suppose. Uh, he wasn't angry. Yeah. He just kind of, you know, went with the flow and had a good time and then told it wasn't, it was no longer fun. Yeah, it's exactly what it was. Everybody was just there to like be a part of the crowd, like even if he cared or not that he was fired. And then I think it's that mob mentality is just so weird. And then somebody is like, "Uh, we're there's a lot of us. We should probably do something, you know." And then it just it escalates. And so nobody I think really was like ill or like malintentions, but like you know things get carried away. Fueled by uh, excitement and uh, natural light, or whatever the red red dog or Bud Light, whatever natural the drink light. of choice was. Natu- natural light, light was, was the official beer of Indiana University. Yeah, we, <laughs> it was many thousands of cases of that stuff drank uh, on like a weekly basis. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, hey, been there, done that. Yeah. Hey, I mentioned your RGV tour in a column I wrote for Club and Resort Business. You raised money for um, the first tee of Greater Seattle. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how that all started from leaving your job to planning a route and picking golf courses? Well, quitting your job is the easy part, right? Nobody likes their job. Well, I guess, I guess yeah. some people do, you know, <laughs> um, but quitting your job was, was easy. But I mean, honestly, it's a little bit scary. So I had this, this whole plan and I think anybody that's a golfer would just dream of, you know, never stop playing golf. But 
I had a, a little bit more of a, of a plan in, in that regard. And as I had purchased a an RV, I turned it into an RGV, and w- which if you're sharp, you, you know that the RV to RGV is conversion to a recreational golf vehicle. And um, so what that in- entails is a rooftop driving range. We had a little a fat scooter on the back end of that thing. If you're not familiar with those, they're these little bikes that are, they're scooters, and they double as a golf cart. They're, they're pretty cool. People come. So that was on the back, um, you know, and all of the golf swag and stuff that you can imagine inside. But the idea was just to go and meet up with as many people as I could and play golf and see some of the, the great places. I just love golf courses. That was kind of the original desire, just to play golf, see golf, and get out there. I was tired of, like, not having played some of these places, and I was like, I got to go. And I had an opportunity to, to, to do it, you know, no kids and uh, anything really tying me down to not having the adventure of a, of a lifetime. And so once I got that, then I talked to my friend Evan over at the first tee of greater Seattle. And I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, like why not do incorporate a great cause into that? And Evan does fantastic work for the kids out there in Seattle. Um, at Jefferson parks where the headquartered, uh, uh, sort of couples grew up playing the game there. So, um, it makes you great work. It's, Evan's the sort of guy you're like, you have kids you like you want to put them in evan's hand and have them teach the game of golf and so i was like this is a great use of money it goes to a local level where it's actually and we're not jumping into the bureaucracy of the the first team which is a large organization does great stuff but like this is going right to the kiddos um and he's going to do good work with it so i happily did that and along the way we just people just gave donations it was like there wasn't a, a huge strong drive and big planned out events and stuff like that. It was like, Oh, and I'm doing this for the first team. And like, here's 20 bucks. You know? So it was kind of, uh, the end we raised 20,000, probably over $20,000 for the first team. And while it's not a, not a massive number, it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty big. $20,000 goes a long way for those kids. And it was all just people that were given a little bit here and there. Um, and so that's, that's the part that I'm most proud of is just the, the people that cared enough to, give 10 bucks and we give away t-shirts and all sorts of swag and stuff to, to encourage that. And, uh, to, to make a, you know, give some kid a scholarship to play, to play golf for a year, learn golf. Were you season. doing this solo? Did you, were you doing this alone or did you have uh, an entourage, a buddy with you? Your uh, yeah. wife? You know, I, it would have been good to have like a camera crew following me around. It would have been absolutely hilarious and just really great content. Unfortunately, those things are expensive and I didn't really have the budget for a, a camera crew to do it. I mean, you could have made a reality show out of this thing. You could have, the, the content creation things are endless, um, but it was really just me. And I met up with um, different people that could do that. So we had some different pieces where I was on local news across the country, probably did seven or eight local news shows, which were always a uh, really cool. And, um, and, and you get people recognizing you down, down the street. And um, that, that's, that was fun. But then I would go, you know, I'd go to the next city and I'd meet up with a friend there. Like maybe there's another uh, social media influencer in golf that lives there and we plan to do this or whatever it was. So there's, there's probably 20, 25, maybe more different stops that had like a, a special event. But other than that, I was just playing golf with people that reached out and coordinated, coordinate. I mean, they just really say, Hey, I want to play golf with you. Come play this when you're in New Jersey. And we, I just say, Hey, I'm here in New Jersey. Let's play. And then we go play. So that was a lot of, that was kind of like the day to day stuff. I imagine you had highlights every stop of the way are conversely on the other end. Were there any challenges you faced or any negative moments? There was, I was, I was hoping for more like, I mean, cause 
the, the journey doesn't really start until things go sideways. As my good friend, Joe Garvey would say, you know, we did that sort of, um, those sort of incidents usually make for the best stories. And I felt like it overall was actually pretty smooth. I mean, there was a lot of things that broke on the RV and then, so you just kind of get used to like all this stuff, just kind of winging it and like figuring out stuff on the fly every day. And so it was just like a go, go, go. There was no time where I was just sitting around, you know, feeling like, uh, I'll just chill out for a day. You know, I was like playing golf. I was coordinating a schedule. I was doing a podcast. I was creating social media content, editing photos. I mean, the list goes on and on of the stuff that I was doing. But I loved it. I loved it every day. And so, um, yeah, I mean, whenever there was like a little lull or things got lonely out there, I'd be like, my my buddy Ben is coming in from Seattle and we're going to play in New York. And so then he'd ride in the RV with me for a week and we'd cause trouble and and golf it up. So it was... uh, you know, there was highs and lows, um, and uh, but overall, it was all, you know, nobody got injured or worse. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. Hey, uh, I imagine, I don't want to put you on the spot. I'll ask you, though, uh, would any course stand out on your trip? Well, Cypress Point does. That's an easy one. Uh, okay. And I think most people in the golf course world know about Cypress Point. For good reason, it's unbelievable, an unbelievable golf course. It's uh, probably the best walk when you just think about tee to green, just walking it and enjoying it. I mean, I can literally, I did a whole podcast on every shot that I hit when I played Cypress Point, and it was one of my my most listened to podcasts because people are just so enthralled by the mystique of that course. The setting is just beautiful. If you see it, if you just Google image it, you're like, what? And I, I laughed the first time I came around the 15th hole that short little par three hits you and it's just so insanely perfect and beautiful that you're like, it's like walking into a postcard. And I play a lot of beautiful golf courses. I've seen a lot of the country's greatest. And, um, that one feels just, it's the only time I really felt like I was in, a, in like a, a photograph or a postcard or something like something surreal. And, it's uh, almost mythical. It is. It's a great place. And so that's, that one sticks out, but I'm quite honestly, there's like, 50 golf courses that stick out. I mean, if you, I, I'll forget about some of them sometime, but we did, you know, 400 and I think it's 405 different golf courses. And, you know, like I'd say at least 50 of those and then probably more. I'd say I could, I could talk forever about at least uh, 200 of them. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I could probably talk forever about all 400, but it's, uh, <laughs> they were all pretty good in, in their own unique way. Right. The, um, the lights at, in Indio, um, it was just a little light in the, a night, nighttime par three course that we played. Circular greens, like nothing special, but like the people and the event that we play there, a huge skins game. And you had about 38 people playing in a, in a single skins game. They all play in the same group and you're hitting balls. And so that's super memorable. You know, that one I could talk about forever. Um, the course doesn't necessarily stand out, but it's not always the course that makes things stand out. And in this case, I was meeting interesting people every day. So you, maybe you play a course that's a good course, but nothing super memorable. But like the people that you played with were like, well, that was a great day because of Josh or Bill or whoever it was. I couldn't agree more. The, the experience, the people you play with seems to make a golf course that much more special. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I played some rounds by myself on beautiful golf courses and that was, that was special. And I remember the golf course, but out of the 793 people that joined the tour, those were the those are the things that, that I think matter. And most people will tell you that they play a lot of golf. It's the 
you know, the people and the connections and the experiences that you have are the real takeaway. Those are the real gems in life. And, you know, everybody says that, it's, you know, my experiences and not things. And I believe everybody will agree with that. But I think some people that agree with that will actually live their lives in a little different direction um, where they're actually pursuing the material things, even though they think that, you know, experiences are, are what makes life great. And so one of the things, the biggest takeaways I had from that, and I felt like this experience itself really solidified those views. So I was able to live my, my life more in the pursuit of those experiences uh, and, and focus less on possessions and things like that. And so, I don't know, I think it takes profound experiences to really kind of shape your behavior in, in a way where you're actually living your, your beliefs and not just kind of like, oh yeah, of course that's true. And then you just go on and act in a slightly different way. If that makes sense. I think that was a big takeaway I got from, from the tour as well, personally. No, no, take, take me to church. That's, uh, that's <laughs> profound, definitely. Hey, um, I first became aware of you via your photography. Um, how'd you get into shooting golf courses? Um, I've always taken pictures of golf courses and I was, uh, when I first started, I wasn't very good at it, but I, I, I mean, every golfer knows like you're in a spot on the golf course. It's like kind of this magic moment where there's like, you're by yourself. There's like a fog coming down. You're just looking around There's a green up there. It's peaceful. It's unbelievable. It's this great moment that happen like all like very often on the golf course. You're like, either it's a fall day, you know, leaves are crisp and you're, and you're like, that's what golfers go and seek that sort of feeling they get when they're in these places and they're playing golf and whatever it is. And that's what they love. And so like, it's the idea to capture that moment. So I can go back and like get back into that moment somehow and, um, and remember what it was like with the leaves blowing or the air going and that the view of the green and the beautiful architecture that you were appreciating as you played like a good photograph um will will take you right back to that and so that's that's kind of what i was seeking i didn't really know it when i first started but i I wanted to capture that habit and so as i've gotten better with photography over the years um i'm able to really share that experience with a bunch of other people and they can kind of feel it too. And, and therefore they want to go and play. And so you inspire people to play these beautiful courses and go see new things and, and, and all this great stuff. And so that's kind of where this whole thing really, that's the core of, I think what drives my, my photography and the interest in any, any sort of fan base that I've, that I've generated is all because of that, like the love of, of golf and its places and its people. You know, I was talking to my buddy Brian Orr, who shoots golf courses for a living, mm-hmm. and I was comparing Brian and other you know guys of your ilk to um, golf course architects. Who your guys are like artists? You see something from a blank canvas or a, just a rough piece of dirt, basically, mm-hmm. and, and you come up with something. What? Uh, I mean, obviously, you you see a golf course a little differently than I see a golf course. Everybody does. I mean, mm-hmm. whether you're a professional photographer, or a, a, a hacker, who's out there on a golf course. But yeah, uh, what is there a golf course out there right now that um, I mean, who who wouldn't want to shoot Augusta National? Right. Uh, but is there a golf course out there that you want to shoot that you haven't gotten a chance to? Yeah, there's a bunch of them. Um, you know, that's the thing is you get into um, these things and you just learn about more places that you want to go to. I mean, right at the top of my bucket list is Australia and the sand belt out there and New Zealand. I'd love to see Terra Edi. It just looks mm-hmm. like I could probably photograph it for days and days because every day is a different one. You can go to a, the same course, you know, the same spot, 
and have something completely different, magical uh, happen. And that's partially the beauty of landscape photography, but then also the 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 golf courses. And uh, Brian Orr does some some great work, and he he captures all those different emotions and, and moments very well. I played with him out at uh, at Sand Valley. He's a, he's an RGV tour player. Oh wow! No kidding. Yeah, yeah, he's part of the he's part of those seven hundred ninety three people that joined the tour. Brian Orr was one of them, and, and a great guy as, as well. Like that's one of the yeah. things that you, you admire their work, and then you never know how they're going to be as a person. But Brian was Brian was awesome. He's a he's a Renaissance man. He enjoys a little bit of everything. Yeah, we played with he played the. There's a short course out there at uh, um, was it in Utah that we played, and it was uh, uh, we we pulled out the hickories and, oh, and whacked them around. Yeah. My first yeah, time ever, he, like, going after a full round with the hickories, and uh, it's a different sport for sure. That's a challenge. He and uh, Darren Bunch with, uh, oh, gosh, Golf Getaways. I, I'm yeah. watching the name of it. Yeah, is that doing Golf Getaways? I know they're big yeah. into the hickories. Yeah, I know Darren just started a new thing out at Rams. I was just trading emails with him yesterday. So, you know, these things all kind of, it's amazing how small the world becomes when you, you meet a bunch of people and see see the different people where they where they head up, head out to. Yeah. Yeah, I played with Darren at um, Sun Valley in uh, mm-hmm. Utah, and uh, you know, heck of a guy, nice guy, uh, good good stick. There's a, a video of him out there somewhere trying to get out of a, a giant bunker with hickories, and it was it's comical to say the least, but it's a uh, it's a challenge. It's it's not as easy. It's not. It's, it's much more difficult than today's modern equipment. Yeah. Hey, uh, you and I did a, a getting to know feature on the American Golfer blog years ago. And I asked you about your dream foursome, living or dead, golfer, non-golfer, blah, blah, blah. You said, and I don't know if you remember this, Tiger Woods, Alistair McKenzie. I had a hard time with the one. Alistair McKenzie, Abe Lincoln, and Jesus. Uh, Gee, I did. Elaborate <laughs> on those uh, or uh, maybe swap anyone just, out. I think, um, you know what, I, I, the Abe Lincoln thing, I think I was just on a roll and I, and, and I put an honest Abe in there. Um, I'd like to I'd like to swap it out because I had a pretty good round recently that I would that would would have it was on many people's dream foursomes and I got a chance to play with golf with Bill Murray and uh, it was you know uh, come on I'd go Bill Murray over Abe Lincoln what was I thinking back then I must have I must have been just on like a presidential kick or something um, but I got a chance to play golf with Bill Murray on the old course in Andrews and uh, I just recently wrote a pretty cool article for it. On, uh, on golf.com. So if you search my name, or we probably put a link in the bio for people to go and uh, check that that out because it goes into all the details and just some of the the weird stuff that happens when you play golf with with Bill Murray. Nothing too weird, but like very entertaining and kind of surreal to be talking Ghostbusters with Peter Venkman on the 12th hole of St Andrews. It's like this is this is un- unbelievable. But so yeah, let's let's swap back in Bill Murray. I, 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 no argument here. Uh, I think I saw a picture of you guys on the uh, on the bridge, Swilkin Bridge. Yeah, yeah, we got a picture on the bridge, and uh, you know a bunch of other a bunch of other cool things out there. Hey, um, I no, hey, I'll swap it out for you. Abe Lincoln, you're out. Bill Murray, you're in. So uh, cool. definitely, uh, and and you have to shoot me the link there so I can share that with the uh, listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, so now let's get to today. You're yeah. working with uh, Medterra CBD. What are you Matera doing? Medterra CBD. I mean, it's um, 
you know, I first kind of became aware of the company at a uh, pro-am in, in Vegas and a, and a guy by the name of Taylor Massey. So a lot of people end up knowing Taylor Massey. Taylor started talking to me about it and I was interested in everybody else about CBD. Um, but there's actually a lot of misconception out there in terms of like just what the product is. Is it marijuana? Like people don't really know. And so he started talking to me about it. He's like, you know, we might have an op- opening to do this and this. And so we were looking at all these different opportunities coming off of the RGV tour. And we came up with a, with a position where it looks like we're going to be leveraging the R- the RGV to do some road support and events and stuff. Really cool stuff for Midterra as we essentially spread the word about the goodness of uh, CBD, what it can do for golfers. What I mean, I'm, essentially, I'm sharing my own kind of story of what it's what it's done for me and and how it can how it can help golfers and and how it has been helping golfers. You know, we've got uh, a number of, of PGA Tour pros already already playing and, and actually endorsing Matera guys like Charlie Hoffman, uh, Lucas Glover, and Morgan Hoffman as, as well. I mean, these guys are are walking testimonials to using it at the highest level and how it benefits the game. So um, I'm on board. I'm kind of the, uh, the, I'm in the, you know, the social media world and, and in the marketing world. So I'm doing a lot of, wearing a lot of different hats in there, but we started up uh, an Instagram and a Twitter with the Medterra golf. And so we're, we're kind of starting a whole new thing, kind of get the, get the word out with, uh, with Medterra and, and the golf team, but CBD can help any, any person it's not just it's not just golfers that it's helping um a lot of the things that it focuses on um like inflammation and anxiety are, are perfect for symptoms that golfers have but like let's be honest i mean inflammation and anxiety is what half of america has so there's some really really great stories out there about it and i'm excited to be a part of the mid-tier team yeah i think your your half estimate is a bit low i'd, I'd go as far as to say 90 90 plus percent have some form of anxiety or aches and pains that uh, can be yeah. helped by something like cbd yeah you're right you're right that was a that was a low ball estimate so uh so <laughs> maybe you have it, numbers behind you i don't know but it but it's super cool to be like yesterday um we were out at the california coaching and teaching summit and it was amazing we gave some of the people some of the, the products and the next day they came in but oh it helped me with this i slept better because of because the thing you gave me yesterday and like, those are just like those stories of the day. Um, and then the other people will come in and tell you how it, it changed their lives because of this, you know, something wrong with their, their leg or this or that. And then they'll come in and, and say, now it doesn't, I, I can do the things that I love pain free. That's un, an unbelievable gift. Like if I couldn't play golf because of pain, which I've had before with my, with my back and then all of a sudden, you can now play. I mean, that, how valuable is that? And so to, to be about a company that's doing things like that for other people is, I think, much more in line with, with helping other golfers. And it kind of flows very nicely from my terrible offer with the, with the RGV Tour. Hey, uh, Patrick, right now you have an open line to GMs, head professionals, and decision makers at private clubs, mm-hmm. high-end public courses and resorts. This, this is our audience. Why... Can you tell them why they should stock Medterra or, or CBD products in general, but Medterra specifically in their pro shops? What's what are they going to gain in their pro shops? Bottom line uh, from yeah. stocking something like Medterra. Yeah, I mean, I think that I mean, if, even if you're just looking at it from a purely business perspective, right? Um, we had a couple clubs in in New York the other day, and they said that that's the number one seller in their pro shop. So, I mean, if you're looking to to make some money on on that, we've got uh, a great team that's dedicated to the to the golf space that can set you up 
with with Medterra in your in your pro shop today. And um, there's not a you know most of the courses are are, are moving through it and reordering several times once they've just been in there a, a short while. So that's that's a great thing. But you know I know there's like a ton of different CBD brands out there. And when when Medterra really sticks out is in terms of like our, our quality and the third party testing that we do. There's zero THC in this thing. That's why we've got guys like Charlie and Morgan and Lucas that, I mean, these guys are PGA Tour professionals. It's their entire career, their livelihood that they're putting on the line by, by this. And so they did their research. They know the product very well and felt comfortable enough to come on with us and, and endorse it. So the uh, American Hemp Authority gave 13 companies the, the first seal of, of quality and a new industry, right? It's, an, it's a new thing. So we're kind of figuring this out, but it was established to, regulate that and provide some sort of assurance to consumers that they're working with a, a quality company that does third-party testing, tells you exactly what is in their, their product, their CBD. And of those 13 companies that were awarded that seal, Medterra was one of them. So, I mean, if you're looking to, to partner with the, the number one CBD brand in golf, I mean, that's Medterra. I mean, we're, we're, we're jumping out there to, to let people know it and kind of, solidify our, our, ourselves in that position further by just spreading the word. I'm sold. Count me in. All right. We'll, we'll ship you a box tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Patrick, thank you so much for joining us on Club and Resort Talks. I really appreciate your time and enjoyed our conversation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Hey, and, and everybody out there listening, to learn more about Patrick, you can check out his website, pjkoenig, K-O-E-N-I-G.com. And to learn more about Medterra, check out medterracbd.com. 